When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. Reception. Perception. The show. Matt Harmon, my guy, man. How you doing? We are. We're on the precipice of the season starting, my dude. How you feeling? Uh, honestly, I'm ready to just uh, get this stuff started. Like, let's see some games. Like, I'm, I'm kind of tired of, you know, talking about, well, if this happens and this happens and this happens. Like, let's just see some stuff happen. And I can't wait to see, like, you mentioned half the nation's going to figure out, like, well, this thing isn't always going to stream this. I was thinking when you, when you started saying that before we started recording, that, like, you know, yeah. half the nation is going to be right about uh, their extreme Gabe Davis takes, and the other half is going to be extremely wrong. And I'm just ready to find out which half it is. But yes, I'm I'm ready to like get the answers to the test at this point. <laughs> uh, it, half the nation doesn't care about Gabe Davis. Only only hot take fantasy Twitter cares about Gabe Davis. That's no one cool. cares about Gabe Davis in real life, you know. And they're all better for it. And they're all better. A hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. Hey, man, let's get right into it. I want to talk about the New York Giants because I feel like we have not touched on. Uh, the Giants, in particular, the Giants receivers there. Because listen, Brian Dable, he brings his, you know, his energy, his, his his system there to New York. We saw what it did in Buffalo; it absolutely transformed a team that couldn't throw the ball to save their lives. Um, and yeah. Dable is able to pair with Josh Allen, develop him as a quarterback, and all of a sudden, it's it's the most high flying offense in the NFL. So now he brings those those talents and those skills, that mind to New York. What do you kind of foresee this offense looking like now that Brian Dable's at the helm? Yeah, and, and don't forget that they also brought in Mike Kafka as the team's offensive coordinator too, which was you know he's quarterback coach from the Kansas City Chiefs, so that was a pretty big get too. And you're right. Um, that's something that's fun about Brian Dable's offense is that you can't really kind of peg him down as you know he's a Shanahan tree guy. I mean, he comes from like the New England side of things, stuff like that. But he's run a lot of different type of offenses through the year. He's been very flexible um, with what he's done in Buffalo uh, as well. So I, I think that's the cool part is like. From a projection standpoint, you know, when I go do and go through and do my projections for every team, I do rely pretty heavily on the last three years of play calling data. For a guy like Mike Kafka, you're going to take play calling data from the Chiefs, and then obviously with 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 Brian Dable, you're taking it from Buffalo. So like, 
you, my projections love the Giants, but you know that's one thing we're like you don't rank based off your projections. You know Daniel Jones is not going to be like quarterback <laughs> seven or whatever. Like he pops out because he runs a little bit. So I don't know. I I think this whole Giants offense is is super fascinating. We can go like kind of player by player here, but um, there's also I do want to just say that like while there's a chance that this offense could be really fun. There's also a chance that like, it could be a total dumpster fire and like 2023, 20, <laughs> 24 is, the, is where the giants really get cooking with Brian Dable. I don't, I don't know. You think so, man? Um, you know, I want to dive into it because I think Sterling Shepard coming back from his Achilles, first of all, wow, what a crazy quick return. Is this the new, by the way, is this the new normal? Like what's going on here? First we saw with Cam Akers last year. Now Sterling Shepard, when did he tear his Achilles? I feel like he tore it in December. It was late. It was, it was really crazy late. late. And like all of a sudden he's bro. I thought he was going to be on the pop. Like there was mm-hmm. no way a dude coming off an Achilles is going to play this early. And, and yet they're everyone sounds pretty optimistic about Sterling Shepard playing here in week number one. Uh, what are your expectations there? And, and I think RP correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like RP has been pretty, I don't know, generous with Sterling Shepard. And, and he's a player that I, I feel like absolutely could, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, mm-hmm. uh, could really help elevate this offense. Yeah. A couple of things here on like wide receivers tearing their Achilles there. You know, there's a long history of running backs are basically like, over the last decade or so in fantasy, if you've bet against running backs coming back from an Achilles, you've won. I mean, even even with Cam Akers coming back so fast, like he wasn't really an effective player when he came no, back. And he was you know, a guy like right, he was he was not very good. We'll see how he plays this year. We'll see how James Robinson plays this year coming back from the Achilles. You know, Dante Foreman tore his Achilles. He's he's he took years to recover. The only guy I can really remember who tore his Achilles at wide receiver, and I, if if I'm wrong about this, like and you can think of others. Like, let me know. But the one guy in, in recent memory who kind of came back and had a good career afterwards was Michael Crabtree. He tore his Achilles, I believe, with the San Francisco 49ers and then came back, was had a whatever year where he was still actually pretty good in RP and then went to went to Oakland with the Raiders and had some big years with uh, the Raiders afterwards. So, um, man, on Sterling Shepard in particular, I love Sterling Shepard. He's always <laughs> been one of my favorites. Um, okay. He is definitely one of the rare guys in reception perception. I've said this on the podcast. I've said this, you know, over the years that these guys who clear that 75% success rate versus man barometer um, right. typically go on to be like the best receivers in the NFL. You know, they're, Sterling Shepard's like one of those exceptions. But I mean, goddamn, James, like when he's out there, he's good. Like even last year, he was out there earning targets at a really high rate. He's yeah. by far the best route runner on the on the team. Of the guys, you know, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, R- Wandale Robinson, he definitely has the best, not just technique as a route runner, but also the best chemistry with Daniel Jones because he's the guy who's played with him successfully for the longest. So, I mean, I, I'm like, I'm with you. I wasn't, ex- I was expecting Sterling Shepard to like start the year on the pup. I'm, yep. I'm not convinced that he's like a starter out there. He's playing a full snap load because he really hasn't participated much in in the off season generally, but. He is a good player. He has chemistry with the quarterback. Um, I, I just always with Sterling Shepard, we're always just kind of waiting for the other foot to drop with, uh, I mean, maybe even literally sometime the other shoe to drop um, right. because of the, because of the health, but man, he is a very good player. Okay. So in 2019, the last time you tracked uh, the most recent uh, year that you tracked him, Sterling Shepard, uh, again, you mentioned that success rate versus man, 75.7% uh, success rate versus man, extremely high. Uh, and then I take a look at his success rate versus press coverage, Matt, 80.6% success rate versus uh, press. That is, that's, very, that is very impressive, man. So, um, and that is 2019. Now this is a, a metric. RP reception perception tells you who is good before they're good. Right. Right. And 
This is a player that has never topped 900 yards receiving, not even forget a thousand, like hasn't even hit 900. Right. So um, he is a player to me that, boy, I I tell you, like if he was healthy in 2021, I I do wonder um, what he would have posted because we saw saw pretty steady improvement in his game over the years. Yeah, but yeah, Sterling Shepard. I mean, I, I I agree with you, and and it's and it's a shame because really his injury issues started popping up once he kind of. I, I think that the I mean, Dave Gettleman made a lot of dumbass decisions over the years, but um, <laughs> after they tra- after they traded Odell okay. Beckham was really yeah. when they gave Sterling Shepard like that that decent contract. I kind of thought that they were you know signaling that he might be that future number one. I, I do kind of think that he his career just has been ruined by injuries the last two years. And it really is a shame um, just because I think he's a good player. And I, I certainly think he's going to get in the mix and like whatever your pre Sterling Shepard um, target projections were for these giants guys. Like I, I think you definitely have to have to alter them, even if he is going to play a, a small role because he, like, he's a good player. Like, and, and I mean, these other three guys are kind of volatile ahead of him as well. So I take a look at, you talk about the other three guys, right? Okay. Okay. Kadarius, Tony, um, and, uh, Wandale, Wandale Robinson. Uh, okay. And then, and then you took a look on the outside, you know, they were, they had high hopes for Kenny Galladay hasn't necessarily Oof. panned out. Can you talk about some of their numbers? Because man, I tell you, I'm not seeing a lot to like uh, in terms of the pass catchers there in New York. With Wandale Robinson, I think they kind of looked at him as sort of an Isaiah McKenzie type of player, uh, like a smaller guy that they can maybe use in you know pre-snap motion. Like I think that's – I have said about this Giants offense, they are definitely going from like the outhouse to the penthouse in terms of like Jason Garrett's offense to Brian Dayball's <laughs> offense. I certainly think that Dayball's going to bring right. a lot more motion to the table, a lot yeah. more like pre-snap adjustments, things like that. I mean, even Isaiah McKenzie, before he had a couple of those bigger games towards the end of the season last year, they still used him on offense. But I mean, like when you look at his reception perception profile, he was in the backfield a ton because he was that pre-snap motion guy. I bet you Wandale Robinson is constantly flipping sides, constantly doing pre-snap motion stuff for this team. Um, I don't know that that's ever going to lead to like a lot of production because I think he still yeah. has. Yeah, right. Like I think he's still got a ways to go, but. He probably like I would still say even with Shepard out there, he probably takes more snaps as the slot receiver than Shepard does just because of the health perspective. I think Shepard's the better player, but that's kind of where I'm at with with Robinson. He's somebody to watch, but I'm I'm still not that bullish on him. Kenny Galladay was awful last year in reception <laughs> perception. I mean, just his all almost Golly. across the board, all of wow. his metrics went into the tank. I also said in in his profile, like if you ever want to see an example uh, for Kenny Galladay, like j- just just look at his profile because this is why you like don't want to use a player. If you ever want an example of how do you don't like want your fantasy receivers to be used, you don't want them out there with zero after the catch opportunities, just a bunch of contested targets, just running against press man coverage all the time, route by route, and running a bunch of vertical routes. I mean, look at the route percentage chart there, James, that you've got on the it's screen crazy. for the for the YouTube viewers. It's all down field stuff so i mean his his usage sucked it might not suck as much this year but (laughs) it'd be nice if there was one good drumbeat for kenny galladay in the offseason i mean jordan ronan who covers the team for espn said he's running routes like a mannequin all summer so not great not great (laughs) i I mean what what is it when i take a look at his route percentage i I mean nearly 40 percent of his routes are the corner nine or post um that is (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, come on, my guys. That's that's not good usage. I mean, these are it's all terrible. low, low percentage success rates. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, like get this yeah. guy in some kind of space, you know? Like, so I don't really know. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Maybe that's just not in his game. I don't know. I the funny thing about Kenny Galladay, and also like let's be clear, we have to ask questions about like his motivation, all this type of stuff, 100%. like coming out coming into that, you know, Giants organization off a big free agent contract after like a lost yeah. year in Detroit. Um, but in previous years in RP, like he was pretty good. Like he, he got kind of typecasted as just a contested catch receiver. He right. was just a contested catch receiver last year, but in, in previous seasons, like 2020, 2019, he actually showed some ability to get off press man coverage. But last year, I mean, he just, he was definitely one of the worst performers in, in all of reception perception, which actually for a little bit there made me kind of, you know, interested in Kadarius Tony, who is mm. uh, like a, a pretty specific player, right? Like, yeah, James, I'm actually curious what you think about Tony because he's like kind of he's a little bit of like a, a James Co guy, like an athletic <laughs> freak that uh, with, with mercurial usage. You know, he is. Uh, obviously, I love the the athletic measurements. I, I mean, again, like we joke around like I, I know I'm a measurables guy. I love the measurables. But this guy I, he just has so far to go in terms yeah. of actually playing the receiver position. Okay. Now that being said, he's also not as much of a dog as like a Debo. Like when Debo came yeah. into the league, he was a person that I was really excited about. Right. Because I'm like, okay, obviously he has a long way to go in terms of learning the position, but Oh my Lord, like his size, his strength, his speed. That's something that is, is otherworldly. And again, Kadarius, Tony, when you watch him on the field, bro, he's not a Debo. He ain't no yeah. Debo. You know what I'm saying? So Debo is another level. You know what also kind of turned me off, Matt? Like he doesn't sound like he's a quote unquote student of the game. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's always, like, he is definitely in the, there's always something like Hall of Fame in terms of Kadarius Tony. Like there's always, there was the shoe thing when he was a rookie. I mean, he's always getting injured. There's definitely always something with Kadarius Tony. I will say like, the movement ability in space is pretty rare. Yes. You know, um, like he was in space in reception perception in this in the snap sampled on 14.2% of his sampled routes. He went on he went down on first contact on just 34.6% of his plays. Like that is crazy ability to make guys miss in the open field. Right. But like you said, long way to go as as a route by route uh technician. Fifth percentile success rate versus man coverage, but pretty good 80% against zone coverage, you know? Like I mean, I, I was a little more impressed with him like finding holes in zone. Like he's going to see a lot more zone coverage cuz he's not going to run out there as the X receiver, you know. That's going to be yeah. Kenny Galladay. But like with Kadarius Tony, I'd said all offseason that like his draft price, you know, like he was going outside the top 40 receivers. You might as well take the risk at that point because I do think there's some upside there. Um, and and guys that do, you know, hit 80% success rate for zone can be pretty good players, even if they're not great press man beaters. But it's it's weird to me, too. It's like we saw basically essentially what, like one just crazy game, right? Yeah. Um, where he goes, you know, 10 receptions on 13 targets. Um, for 189, right? And you're like, okay, again, no touchdowns. Uh, there wasn't a lot of touchdowns to be had on this Giants offense at all. Um, but that's the one game when you said, oh my God, this is this this is tantalizing. Yeah. But again, that was also like wide receiver apocalypse there um, for New York at the time. Yeah. I, I don't know. My memory doesn't serve, but I don't think there was like, I think he was like literally one of two healthy wide receivers. 
um, on yep. the team. Shepard was hurt. I think Kenny Galladay got hurt on in yep. like the first quarter of that game. Uh, yeah, you're you're right about that. It was a, there was a lot of and Darius Slayton. I think might have been. That's, That's what the thing it was. With these damn Giants receivers. Somebody's always hurt. Like so, <laughs> I, it's crazy. So I guess I'm just confused. Like, what did he really show outside of one game? But that one game was enough where I think fantasy Twitter just lost it, and they are so enamored with again his in space ability. I don't know. I just feel like in the NFL, those opportunities aren't always available, man. You know what I'm no. saying? And again, yeah. the athletic profile is is very intriguing, but he's a very instinctual player. Um, and, and we've talked about on this show, listen, man beater and, um, you know, press coverage beater guys, that's generally where you want your studs to be successful. And I get mm-hmm. it. There are certain exceptions to that rule. Uh, but man, he was, you know, according to, to the RP data, was so below average in regards to beating man man coverage that man that that's a that, that was a big turnoff for me and that was sort of his pre-draft profile too was a guy that was not not there technically was not there as a route runner yet so not surprised to see that result as a rookie um, I think he you're right he's gonna have to be schemed into opportunities and the fact that he's probably not playing slot receiver with Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson Wandale, there, right that's a that's a problem too that's a problem I think the Giants are going to be a lot better um, than a lot of folks anticipate. We didn't even touch on Saquon Barkley, bro. I mean, we talk about the pass catchers. Honestly, Saquon might lead this damn team in reception. Yeah, right. Like, uh, yeah, this that's... team is such a nightmare from the pass catching perspective, <laughs> like from a health and reliability and like performance standpoint that like Saquon might catch like 85, 90 balls or something this year. And again, Crazy. I just want to say too, Daniel Jones also might suck. Like I think he... <laughs> He's True. definitely a volatile True. player. Like I know yeah. there's the easy job. Like don't play a Josh Allen drinking game when the giants play this year. Okay. Cause like, that's right. If you did it during the preseason, you're already blacked out. So there's that. Uh, I, I just would, would throw out that like, we don't really know who Dan Jones is yet. Like, I won't be surprised if Tyrod Taylor, uh, the, the pride of Hampton roads, Virginia plays some, plays some starts for this game. That's a, that's hot take adjacent, man. I, 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 I think that Daniel Jones has tools. Um, and I think the one thing that I really like about DJ, um, that he doesn't get enough credit for it. I think he throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, and there's been a lot of metrics where again, him throwing fumble it. (laughs) That's he needs, he's more James Winston. And then he has Josh Allen. Let's be real. 100%, 100%, right. Let's be real. Uh, but he does throw a beautiful deep ball, man. A lot, a lot of analytics, a lot of uh, uh, of uh, you know advanced stats would indicate that as well. Um, so there is that because I tell you what, there's a lot of quarterbacks they don't have that and they'll never have that. But in the NFL, if you really want to take the top off of a defense, got to be able to throw it to you. And, and I do think Daniel Jones has that in the toolkit. Can he put all the other things together, man? I don't know, dude. I don't know. But anyways, that's the Giants. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We talked a little bit about Wandale Robinson, um, but there's an interesting crop of rookies this year, I would say. Which rookie, in your opinion, Matt Harmon, is going to have the best season in 2022? Yeah, I actually went ahead and ranked, I think I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine rookies, I think, that that have some a, a really good path to immediate playing time. And I, I ranked them and I have them in tiers because this is the way my brain works. So if you want to just go, we can kind of go down the list and I can I can tell you like my, my tiers of, uh, of okay. these guys in terms. And I, I actually just kind of ranked this in my head in terms of like path to immediate playing time. Okay. Um, and path to immediate playing time plus like upside. So I'll get my first tier, and this is held true all off season, and it's actually my top two prospects from the class from a talent perspective. Okay. It's Drake London and it's Chris Olave. Um, I think those two guys are going to start from week one. I yep. think those two guys are going to and, and Drake London. It is worth noting did get injured in the preseason. We're not right. like a hundred percent sure at, at the time that we're taping this whether he's going to roll out there, how much, how many snaps he'll play, but. I mean, he is on a wide as wide open gets receiver depth chart. I know they have Kyle Pitts, tight end Kyle Pitts is there, not wide receiver Kyle Pitts, <laughs> plays for this team. So in terms right. of the wide receivers, Drake London, I think, is going to dominate targets. I actually think his game fits really well with Marcus Mariota. Um, so he's number one for me. And number two is Chris Olave. Um, Chris Olave was my favorite prospect from last year's class. Uh, Chris Olave the best route runner in the class, uh, Chris Olave, a really great separator against press man coverage, was number one among the prospects charted in success rate versus man and press. Um, I so really like Chris Olave to walk into an outside starting receiver job across from Michael Thomas. Um, we'll see. Maybe Jarvis Landry plays ahead of him early in the season. I kind of doubt it. I, right. I think that Chris Olave – also, by the way, great deep threat. We, he's an awesome technician, can separate across the, the field – but really good deep threat, and that lines up obviously really well with Jameis Winston. So those two are in a tier of one to me in terms of like okay. immediate impact, good rookie season guys. Okay, and then what about in the next tier? I mean, there's well, still so wait, another... what do you think about what do you think about those 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 two guys? Like, you, are you agree you agree with me? Like, oh, the ones... yeah, man. First of all, you know me, I'm such a sucker for deep ball guys, man. Like, I totally agree with you, hundred percent, like a thousand percent on Alave. Um, I don't. Again, I'm I'm not Matt Harmon, so I I, I can't like. <laughs> judge a lot of the like you know all of the aspects of his game but i do know this oh my god this dude can absolutely kill it downfield um which i love um and so no i i love alave um obviously you got to love the speed as well um but yeah no drake london is somebody and you know i'm, I'm a big pac-12 honk right so like i've seen a yep. lot of drake london games and to me, it's like, yeah, okay, this is basically a, a, a Michael Pittman type clone, a guy that can win in contested areas, big body wide receiver. Um, and yeah, like guys like that, when again, you're working with a quarterback that doesn't totally have great accuracy, 
those guys are going to be best friends, you know? Now the mm-hmm. injury will set him back a little bit. And we've seen rookies, you know, again, if they don't have that full training camp, they struggle at the gate. So I think out of the gates, Drake London will, will struggle to kind of adapt to the speed, man. When he figures it out, boy, I, I tell you, he's got Mike Evans upside. Like that's how much yeah. uh, uh, of just a stud um, in terms of like the measurables and skill set. Like he he has it, man. He can absolutely ball. But boy, I tell you, by week six, seven, eight, oh, sign me up, Drake London, all day long. Yeah, and what you're showing on the screen here for for the YouTube folks, the success rate on screens, slants flats curl routes that's what made people sort of compare him to michael thomas you know his success rate for zone coverage was one of the tops in the class too like this is a guy who can absolutely separate but he's just a monster at, at the being and for how big he is how fluid he is getting separation on those short routes which like james you and i have talked about marcus mariota you know being sort of gun shy for years i i do yeah. think mariota He's got a little bit more effort to his game. It seems like in the in the in the run with the Raiders for a couple. I know a couple of games there, like even in the Falcons preseason game. But (laughs) I still think the bread and butter of a Mariota offense is going to be sort of crossing routes, you know, stuff against zone coverage. So I think Drake London fits really well there. Um, My tier two of rookie receivers, uh, and again, this is this is not like rookie rankings for dynasty. This is not rookie rankings. Even like I'm, I I, not even necessarily like the way I would draft him this year, but just immediate playing time. Um, I went with George Pickens and then Jahan Dotson for tier two. Um, can I, can I ask you about Dotson? I'm, I'm yes. a little torn on him. You know, um, I know fantasy Twitter loves Dotson. I, I'm not Re- I'm really, not- I, I, I couldn't get anybody to care about Jahan Dotson all off season. Okay. Like from an ADP <laughs> perspective, he was, no, he no, you're been- right buried he's been buried all but the no no but but in terms of like you know the 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 pre-draft whole process uh like yeah people loved Dotson and I yeah. and I struggle with it because I don't I'm not all in talk to me about why Dotson um can really be I mean again we, we just got done with our hot take thing and it's like you know I saw somebody post their hot take of of Dotson's gonna have more fantasy points than than uh uh than any other wide receiver in Washington I'm like yeah I don't know about that right. one I don't know. know I don't know about that I don't know about that but talk to about me that about do- talk to me about Dotson what does he do well um and where do you think he kind of fits into this offense and, and where can he succeed yeah, really like John Dotson's game because I think he's just reliable as hell. Um, I mean, number one, I, I do the superlatives article. If people are listening to the podcast, they haven't subscribed to Reception Perception. If you go to the site, you can look at the uh, rookie prospect superlatives article. Uh, right. That's a free article if you want to test it out. I, I said in there that he is he has the best hands in the draft class. Uh, the lowest drop rate among the guys charted catches everything, and he catches like. For a small guy, and Jahan Dotson, not 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 big at all. He, he's pretty no. small, uh, like sub sub 190 pounds, like five nine, something like that. Yep. Um, he catches everything away from his frame. He's great in contested situations, and I mean, everybody we know he's going to be playing with an erratic quarterback. A quarterback in Washington. There were plenty of um, plenty of you know press clippings from Washington camp, which is crazy. That still, from an ADP perspective, there were so many glowing reports from Jahan Dotson, and like you couldn't, he just never went up the ADP charts on any site, any platform. But the the report from a training camp, at mini camp stuff like that was, oh man, this Jahan Dotson really really good at catching like you know Wentz's off target passes. It's like, well, no shit, he got plenty of practice doing it <laughs> at Penn State, man. So that, bad. So bad. I mean, especially when you're watching the games, uh, you know, on coaches film charting for reception perception, he's just open down the field 
he's open in the intermediate zones and just getting thrown into contested situations, thrown into these spots where he's got to adjust to badly thrown balls. So um, I don't know that Jahan Dotson has like future number one receiver upside, but he's a great zone beater, solid man coverage beater. I compared him to like a Doug Baldwin type of a type of guy. Like it sounds as if you actually will. Okay. It sounds like him and Curtis Samuel were sort of like shift between playing slot and flanker receiver in, in 11 personnel. But Jahan Dotson sounds like he's won the number two receiver job. Like he will, right. he will be on the field for almost every single snap. And I think that's because of his reliability and it's be, his because it's because of his ability to beat zone coverage and um, you know, not just win little bunny hop routes either. Like his success rate on out routes on, on uh, dig routes, stuff like that. He'll make some big plays in that regard. Bro. When I look at this chart, man, it's like, I, I'm just, I'm like, floored 92% success rate on the dig and an 89% success rate on the corner route. You don't, you just don't see that. Like what? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's good. unbelievable. He's a good player. He, he He's just, a, I look at him and again, I, I don't know what the ceiling is for him okay. long-term, but I do think like, I think Terry McLaurin's the clear cut alpha there. And I think he'll, yeah. he'll continue to do that. But like, okay. this is a, uh, this is a, a unit in Washington wide receiver that, like missed Curtis Samuel so badly last year. And like they were throwing just absolute goofballs out Nothing there. Like Tommy Brown there. was, was not a good rookie Nothing. receiver. I don't know what's going on there. And then like, you know, yeah, you know, like Cam Sims are thrown out there at times, oh. you know, a bunch of, bunch of just n- nothing there. So I think they really needed, um, you know, a guy that's just super reliable, like Jahan Dotson. And I, I think that's the, because he went to Washington is why nobody wants to be that excited about it, which is <laughs> There you go. All right. Um, so we got uh, two tiers in who's your next tier. Yeah. Next tier guy. And yeah, I had George Pickens just one spot above Jahan yeah. Dotson, but we talked, we talked about, about I, I feel like we've yeah. talked about Pickens plenty. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, these guys. So, Basically, the way I looked at it was the top two guys were like, no doubt, set and forget it. You can actually probably get some like starting fantasy production in, in like multiple start receiver leagues from these guys. Yeah. Then Pickens and Dotson were like, they're going to pretty much play every single snap. And I like their talent. These guys are like, I think they can walk into starting roles eventually, okay. but I'm not I'm not sure. And that's Traylon Burks, Sky Moore, and Jalen Tolbert. Um, mm. I actually think Tolbert has a chance to because Dallas's receiving depth chart is so ridiculously bad that yeah. he has a chance to solidify himself as a starter in three receiver sets right, right. away. Um, Doesn't he I'm profile to when I watch this guy's game, he profiles perfectly as like a secondary receiver. Like he's, yeah, he's exactly what you want as your flanker, right? I, it's sort of like Marvin Jones ish in a way. Um, but I also think they've been playing him inside a little bit too, because they probably still want like CD lamb to be their flanker. And then they think Michael Gallup is like going to play sooner than later. We'll talk about Gallup a little bit later in the show, but like, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, um, they're, they're, they're like bullish that he's going to play. We'll see. And then I think they might want their 11 personnel set to be Michael Gallup at X CD lamb at flanker and Jalen Tolbert, maybe in the slot and, or, you know, alternating Tolbert and uh, CD lamb inside and out. So we'll see. But um, I do like Tolbert's game. He, he was actually kind of, the guy in reception perception that stuck up on me the most, but uh, I, I put him behind these other two guys because I think he has less upside than them uh, from like a playing time perspective. Burks. I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know. Like Burks is uh, the perfect guy. What I talked about off the top where like, I'm ready to stop like arguing about stuff or people like arguing <laughs> about like Gabe Davis and arguing about that. Like, I, I don't care. I'm done with like the trailing Burks <laughs> off season watch. Like, 
the the big Traylon Burks bros, like the real Traylon Burks sickos, and like then the people that really hate Traylon Burks, like just mi- reading into every mini camp report, him playing in the fourth quarter of the preseason games. I'm just I ready know. to like see him play. You know, I'm just ready to see what he looks like in week one and I know. how they use him. Uh, I, I think he'll play a full complement of snaps, but I don't know that like it might not be till later in the year because I don't think he's ready to ball. Like I don't think he's ready. Um, so he, he I, I do have him on the top of this tier though because if he does hit. That's a wide open depth chart, obviously, in in, uh, Tennessee. If he hits, he could go bonkers. I mean, he's got the, you talk about athletic profile, the measurement, size, speed, all of those things. Yeah, but I kind of disagree, dude. I don't think he's like, from an athletic, certainly like he's huge. But his athletic testing was pretty, pretty disappointing. Um, I know he's, he's fast on the field. Like he can definitely burn down the field a little bit, but I don't think that he's like a, a special athlete. Like you look at AJ Brown playing, you're like, that guy is a special athlete from a size speed perspective. I think Burks is like fine. He's just not as, he's just not as fast. I think as, as he was sort of built up to be, um, I don't know, man. And from a technique perspective, dude, he's just got, he's got a long way to go too. I mean, he wasn't even playing like real wide receiver in, in college. So, um, he was playing and you know, terrible success rate versus man press, um, he's got a long way to go pretty, but I, and it's funny too. I think that he, um, he's a guy that could he, he thrive in like a Juju Smith Schuster type of big slot receiver role, which the Traylon Brooks bros hate that. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. You, you hate it too, but like, <laughs> oh, God, I kind of no. think that's the best role <laughs> no. for him. But like, if you just look at Tennessee's depth chart, I'm going to talk about Kyle Phillips in a minute. Like he, I think he's going to play a decent bit as their slot receiver. Robert Woods is definitely their flanker receiver. Nick yeah. Westbrook Akina is kind of going to roll out there God. as their ex. Like if Burks is replacing somebody at the back half of the season, it's probably Westbrook Akina, but I don't think like Burks is ready to play X receiver. So that's why I'm, I'm just very questionable on him this year. Yeah. We talk about a guy, I mean, just an absolute monster size, six two two twenty five. Okay. Just he's an huge. absolute giant out there. Uh, ran a pretty average four five five forty, um, and again the vertical jump not that great either a thirty three uh, vertical jump. But broad jump though was was over ten feet, um, which is great. I, I love seeing that. And I don't know, man. Like you watch the game tape, and it's just he's a runaway freight train out there, you know. So yeah. um, to me, it's I, I man, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I said. I just feel like if he gets going back half of the season, he's one of those rookies that absolutely it feels like, because again, as you mentioned, the wide receiver room wide open targets available for days. Um, It just feels like he could explode. Let me, let me paint a crazy picture for you. Okay. Let's say Tennessee is out of it. They're just done. And they're like, all right, we're, we're in, we're just in rebuild mode. Let's just see what we got going on. How about Malik Willis starting for this unit and just chucking up deep balls to trailing oh, Burks and I just mean, go up and get it and let's just see what happens, baby. Let's go. Dude, I I haven't by the way, I haven't quite figured out how I'm gonna deal with like Malik Willis having gone to he doesn't have any real ties to Virginia, but he did go to that other school in Lynchburg, Virginia, not the not the fine <laughs> University of Lynchburg where I'm an alumnus okay. of. Yes. I'm not not really shout out. I've got the mug back there. I, I don't know how I'm going to handle Malik Willis and like, you know, call him like the pride of Liberty or anything. We'll we'll, we'll see how I deal with that. Um, <laughs> still working that one out. Liberty. <laughs> still working. I'm still working. Liberty. That, I'm still yeah. working that part out. But 
I uh, don't think like Malik Willis is ready to play like really and or like really ready. He can, he's going to be a great fantasy player as soon as he hits the field. But like, oh, I'm not sure that dude. I'm not sure that you want like Traylon Burks's routes run targets rising while Malik Willis is also rising. But I do think oh. you're right, though. There's a chance the Titans are like a, a, a total nightmare this year. Oh, 100%, man. I, I've said this many times, but they were on the right side of variance so often last year that it's got to come back, crashing back down to earth, man. Yeah. Like, there's just no way. Um, they and just look, feel think, super volatile. What, what are we, we're three tiers in. How many more tiers we got? Well, so I, I last guy, by the way, in that tier was Sky Moore, who is my okay. favorite prospect of this bunch. And I I think has the best chance to be like this year's Amon Ross St. Brown drafted by folks, dropped by folks. Great in the second half of the year because he's just a baller, dude. I think Sky Moore is really, really good. He's my favorite bet for like the post buy rookie bump. Um, then so my next tier of guys is like, we'll see. Uh, oddly enough, I have two first rounders in this tier, Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams. Really? Um for one, Jamison Williams, I, I know. Yeah, he's yeah. he's hurt. We don't know. We know nothing about Jameis. Okay, I get it. Um, when he's healthy, unbelievable athlete, uh, showed a lot uh, in terms of his, his game tape. Okay, uh, but talk to me about Garrett Wilson. That That's a surprising one to me. I, man, I think he's, I feel like he's pretty pro-ready. I, I mean, I don't know if he's pro. Interesting. I don't know. Good. He's got a good reception perception profile for sure. Um, I, I, I mean, he's got good scores against man, uh, zone coverage. Okay. I do just question like the refinement a little bit. Like he's one of these guys that does waste a lot of movement. You know, this has always been like my problem with Amari Cooper who was and, and Jerry Judy too, like two guys that were great route runners in college, but I don't really think have been great route runners in the pros yet. I and mean, they've shown fl- Mark Cooper shown flashes, but I've always said he's the most overrated receiver in the NFL. Jerry Judy, I think has really not lived up to the billing just yet. Like uh-huh. a lot, of, like they do all these like fancy moves or whatever that work in college, but then like in the NFL, like guys shut that down kind of soon. So that's just one thing I, I have concerns about Garrett Wilson, but I also just think he's like kind of buried in New York right now. Um, okay. Elijah Moore is clearly their number one. Um, Corey Davis is going to be the number two, at least to start this year. And then uh, Braxton Berrios is like going to be their slot receiver for the most part. Like Garrett Wilson can leapfrog Davis or um, uh, or Berrios at any time, but to start the year, it's not going to happen. Like he's not walking into a starting job like Pickens or, or Dotson or, or any of these guys. Like maybe I should have Garrett Wilson in the tier. I probably should have Garrett Wilson in the tier higher. I think I'm being like a little unfair, but it's also just like, <laughs> okay, he could maybe become the second receiver on the Jets. Like I think Sky Moore could become the, you know, second receiver on the chiefs. You know, I think Traylon Burks could become the second receiver on the Titans. Jalen Tolbert could be the second receiver on the damn Cowboys. Like Garrett Wilson can maybe become the, I think it's more likely he becomes the three on the jets. <laughs> and like, what is that really worth for this year? I think going yeah, for forward, year, I'm, right. I'm fine with yeah, Garrett yeah, yeah. Wilson, but for this year, okay. I'm just not confident he's going to get off to a hot start. Oh, that's, that one's interesting to me, man. I I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Garrett Wilson. Uh, and again, I think you're right. I think from, from, from a 2022 standpoint, um, ah, God, you're probably right. Like he probably is the number three. If, if everything goes well, he's probably yeah. the number three, right? Like Elijah Moore, we know is most it's likely the, the number one. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be kind of a cast of characters there. Um, as who, like who falls in the pecking order outside of Elijah Moore. It's just kind of like this hodgepodge of guys, right? I think as long as he's healthy, Corey Davis will be the two. 
uh, like playing on the outside too. And then they come into 11 personnel. I mean, I think, look, listen, I'm not like that big of a Corey Davis fan. Like, <laughs> okay. I think he's a, I think he's a jag, but like, I think yeah. that a rookie receiver type of guy it might take some, might take some time for him to him to jump up there. Um, you know, in the rotation, you also have to remember too, they added to the tight end room, like CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, like those guys are going right. to play roles too. So it's just like how many targets are available. Um, but then the rest of so the rest of this tier. And again, I, pro- I probably should have put Wilson in the tier with Burks, Moore and Tolbert. Um, then this tier of guys here though, for me is Alec Pierce. Day- and this is again, like we'll see. Um, I think they can earn playing time, but we'll see Alec Pierce, who I like David I like Bell, Kyle Phillips, and then like the Green Bay guys, you know, Christian Watson, uh, Romeo Dobbs. Um, I, I think those guys are worth watching. Wandale Robinson is another guy worth watching who we talked about earlier. And yeah. then like my deep sleeper is is Khalil Shakir, um, who I just I think he's a good player, but he's totally buried in in, uh, in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Can we talk about Alec Pierce a little bit? Um, you talk about a guy that I, you, it's just like peanut butter and jelly. When you talk about this guy's skill set and the role that he could potentially play uh, yeah. in Indianapolis, that's what I really like as a secondary potential secondary piece to Michael Pittman. Um, and I think he fills that that T.Y. role perfectly um, there in Indianapolis, a guy that can, again, run and we, we, we bag on running a bunch of nine routes or whatever. But in this particular <laughs> offense, though, they need that guy right? They need a guy that can go in over the top. And we're talking about a dude who's an, I mean, an athlete, man, six, three, he ran a four, four, one forty. And anytime you post a 40 inch vertical, I'm going to get hyped boy. Let me tell you. So six, three, 40 inch vertical, four, four speed. Like, okay, bro. Like he is what you want to go in over the top. I like him. I, I think he's, he, by the way, he was like top six in success rate versus man and press bot like last in the league wow. in success rate versus zone, by the way, though. So that's okay. a weird. I that sort of weird. Co- compared him to like the bad analysis of DK Metcalf coming into the league where he was like just slants posts and goes baby. Like, but that is Alec <laughs> Pierce's reception perception chart. It's like, literally that's it. Those are the routes. Uh, I, I think that's a good fit though. I agree with you. Like, when he was drafted, some folks said like, oh, it's a little like samey with uh, with Michael Pittman. But Pittman's like a slasher guy that wins underneath, yeah. wins in the short area. And like, you know, Pierce can be their big uh, outside play guy. And it is funny, like Pierce is a freak athlete, but like nobody seems to care. Uh, nope. and, and I think he can play a little bit, too. Yeah, that's what's that's strange to me, man. Um, all right, so those are your rookies, man. Um, it's an interesting list for sure. Um, the the kind of the the deeper guys that I'm I'm more interested in certainly Pierce and I think Tolbert. Man, he really has a chance. Uh, you take a look at his uh, reception perception profile, and I encourage everyone to go to the website to go check it out. But as you kind of sort of highlighted, he kind of sort of wins everywhere. Um, he's not, I don't know necessarily, and I think the game tape backs this up. I don't think he's dominant anywhere, mm-hmm. but boy, oh boy, the dude's pretty good just about everywhere. <laughs> and when you're yeah. talking about a secondary receiver to CD Lamb, I think that's exactly what you want. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, should we talk about, very quickly, can we talk about some of these guys coming off of injury, though, Matt? Um, and should we start there in Dallas? Let's talk about Michael Gallup, man. Um, and again, the reason I think Tolbert's got a real chance uh, is because, uh, you know, Michael Gallup is banged up and, and is not going to be available week one. Yeah, it was kind of refreshing for Michael Gallup to just be like, I'm not playing week one. You know, like that's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. Like right. basically laughed it off. Although 
that makes you wonder, like, if he was willing to laugh it off over the summer, like him being ready for week one, when is he going to be ready? Although Jerry True. Jones, like, if we're if we're playing in the Super Bowl tomorrow, Michael Gallup is playing. It's like, Jesus, Jerry, like, let's yeah, focus what, on. What is that all about? <laughs> let's focus on getting. <laughs> shut up, Jerry. Let's focus on getting to a Super Bowl sometime in, like, you know, in the <laughs> how long has it been? But anyways, I know, um, I know. With with Michael Gallup, dude, like, I I do think that he is worth. Cause he's basically, you know, free.com at this point. Like he is yeah, kind of worth stashing in fantasy right now, just cause like, they're going to kind of need him when he gets back. I don't know how he's going to play. He tore his ACL super late, man. I mean, like Odell Beckham towards ACL in the Super Bowl, And like Michael Gallup was like just a few weeks before there to the end of the regular season. Um, I have no idea, but I do love, I mean, I've always been a big Michael Gallup guy. I love the way he beats press man coverage in his reception perception profile has always been really good. Is that like true X receiver? Um, so I, I do think he is worth stashing. He's worth like having some hope for. And I, again, I think Dallas is going to need him, but it's, it's going to be a while. I think until we see Michael Gallup, the last time you charted Michael Gallup and correct me if I'm wrong, I think was 2020. Um, and, and it looks like here, I will have his 20, I will have his 2021 up on the site before week one. I'm Ooh, what a like, tease. I was I like, I, I was like, I can put this one off because he's not going to play week one. <laughs> Nobody will care. But if like I right. finish it up, uh, over the weekend, like there you go. I'll drop it when he's ready to play. I love it. Um, okay. Success rate versus man in 2020, 72%, uh, which is good. That's solid. And uh, success rate versus zone, 70.6. That's a meh. That's a meh number. But um, if you're asking a guy to play outside, I think we've talked about this a lot, right? Like slot guys, you want them to be very successful against zone. Outside guys, okay. Now different skill set. You want them to be much more uh, productive against man and press. Yep. That's why he's always been their X receiver, man. That's why he is that honestly, because no one wants to hear this. But because he is a real press man coverage beater, that is why he has always played that X receiver role. And Amari Cooper cannot play that X receiver role. That is why that happened in Dallas. Um, Chris Godwin is sounds like he's ready to go, which is a little bit surprising to me. Um, you know, again, given the timeline, but week one, here we go. Chris Godwin, what are you expecting there? Yeah, I still feel like the way Godwin talked about it today, you know, uh, we talked, I read this quote off on, on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Subscribe to that show as well. I host it every day. Um, <laughs> there you go. He's kind of said, like, you know, we'll see. Like, I'm not sure when I'm going to be ready. I, it could be week one, it could be later. But he's like, the more important thing is, like, I don't, it's, it would be nice to play the whole season, but the more important thing is that I am ready for later in the season. Um, cause the bucks expect to moonwalk to the NFC South title. So everybody else expects him to do that as well. Hmm. Um, so Godwin, I, I still think that Godwin, even if he plays week one, it could be a while until he's ramped up. And if, if I'm wrong about this, I'd love to be wrong. Cause I think Chris Godwin is just a, a stud dude. I mean, he is consistently good in reception perception 20, uh, in 2021, he was 72.1% success rate versus man. He's been up in that like 76% club before, like the truly, you know, best players and beating man coverage. And we know he's a great slot receiver. We know he's so reliable. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm still a little nervous about Chris Godwin. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But um, I'll, I'll bring up this quote. I, I talk, was talking to Austin Eckler about this name drop. Uh, name drop. Uh, what a name drop. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Go do it. <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of days ago. And, you know, he basically said, like, yeah, buddy. There is. Um, 
there, there is a, there's like a period of time when you come back from an injury, like where you're just, you're out there, but you're not yourself. And it, you, even if, like, if you rush to come back, like you're definitely not yourself. And, you know, he's a guy who's dealt with long injury absences and like pushed to come back earlier, been, and then like realized he shouldn't come back early. So I, I thought that was interesting when he, and I, the Chris Godwin was the first guy I thought about when he, when he talked about that. Cause like, I think if Chris Godwin comes out there and plays week one, like, he might be out there with the name Chris Godwin, but he might not be the player Chris Godwin until like October, November. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. If, like he's a guy that people draft in fantasy and get frustrated with because he's not playing that much. And like, but he's better in this. I'm, I'm open to him being really good in the second half of the season, but I'm still sort of skeptical about early in the season. Uh, was obviously charted out pretty good um, in success rate versus man, 72%. Uh, which is solid. Um, and then success rate versus zone pushing uh, 79% was at uh, 78% last year, which is again, actually not, uh, not great for him, all things considered. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was surprised by that number. I thought that number would be better. Um, all things considered, uh, to be honest with you. Um, so there you go. All right. Um, this is the big one in new Orleans. You talk about, you know, we'll stay in this, in this division here, but how about Michael Thomas? Like I have no idea. And, and anyone who has any idea what to expect from the, if they're telling you, they know what to expect from Michael Thomas, they're lying. I mean, we don't <laughs> yeah. know what it's a new off. It's a new offense. It's a new coach. He's, he hasn't played in over a year, new quarterback. It's not Drew Brees anymore. Like, what are we looking at here with Michael Thomas? Yeah, the the structure of the Saints offense and just organization as a whole has changed a lot since Michael Thomas is, you know, we saw him at the peak of his powers, which right. was in 2019. But even in 2020, like, you know, it's been, still been a lot of change since then. Um, I will say this, Nick Underhill, who's one of the best folks that cover that team, he's been pretty bullish on Thomas before he like before training camp he's like I think Thomas is going to be out there and he's going to be playing and he's going to be you know and he was right about that but then he has the hamstring injury afterwards so now right. it's like oh great is it just another thing um I also talked to you know, here's another name drop I talked to Cam Jordan this week as well and he's I saw said that. Michael Thomas is looking good he's pretty excited <laughs> about Michael Thomas like coming back yeah, feels pretty but I mean, bullish about on. him yeah, yeah, they're teammates yeah. you know he's got I know, I know you know I know but on. I just I think that from from the most like for the most part f- folks that had seen Michael Thomas in training camp were like okay he's look he looks good he's not out there like you know loafing it but then he gets hurt so who knows the thing about Michael Thomas though man is like I, I said it's been a while since we saw him at the the height of his powers like when he was at the height of his powers, dude, he was so good. I mean, you got the 2020 season pulled up there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Almost a full green route chart. And that wasn't even his best season. His 2018 season, James, which, hey, maybe this reception perception stuff is good. You should subscribe to it because this was before his 2019 record-breaking season. Yeah. 82.2% success rate versus man coverage in 2018. That's still second most all time, wow. only to Stefan Diggs in 2020. 89.3% success rate versus zone. That's one of, I believe that's like a top five score all time that's behind like uh, Antonio Brown twice and Cooper yeah. Cup, but like, you know, one of the best scores ever, 82.2% success rate versus uh, press. And his 2019 season was ex- obviously extremely good in, in real life, but even in RP as well. So dude, Thomas, like, I, I don't, I, I'm with you that I have no flipping clue what to expect, <laughs> but I do think that like him not being paired with Drew Brees anymore, I, you can actually kind of galaxy brain that to say it's a good thing because Brees, like by the time Thomas's peak came back, like I think the reason he's got the slant boy moniker is right. because Drew Brees' noodle arm couldn't push it down the field. 
uh, we're same thing with like Big Ben and Deontay Johnson. Like the reason Deontay exactly Johnson has correct. that little A dot is because Ben was cooked. Um, I think it will actually be really fun to see Michael Thomas, who, as you see, reception perception shows a full full field route runner. It might be fun to see him with like a, a guy who can attack the whole field in, in James Winston. I think this is, again, we talk about the power uh, of this particular tool. This is it right here because the narrative and we started our you know teaser podcast by saying, hey, we're going to get rid of all the BS narratives. One of the narratives that at least you have debunked and is a BS narrative is that Michael Thomas can only run the slant. And so talk to me about what you think Michael Thomas might bring Again, can he play the X receiver? Is that his best? Is yeah. that going to be his best role in this offense with a guy like Jameis Winston? I think so. Um, and again, this is all theoretical because it has been like a, a, a year and a half since we've seen Michael Thomas play football. Right. So yes. that it is worth saying this is all hypothetical. Um, but like this was basically my analysis going into 2020 was that, yeah, I think that there's more to Michael Thomas's game. Like, look, the slant boy is nickname is objectively hilarious because it clearly it's a funny nickname and it it's a good nickname because it because it bothers him it's just like when you <laughs> used to call me west virginia's finest back at nfl network and it clearly bothered me so it's a good nickname you just keep right? going like, yeah you just keep going you just with keep it, going because right. it bothers the person i mean it bothers <laughs> I, i've i've learned to live with it now at this point and <laughs> so it's okay oh my god um, but, can i just share a story real quick oh my god i'm at matt's wedding and and again, I officiated the wedding. Okay, so I'm at Matt's wedding. And we have not talked about West Virginia in years, dude. Years. It's been a, it's and, been a while. And Matt's dad comes up to me <laughs> and he said, he's like, hey, yeah, 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 great. It was a little small talk. And he was dead serious. He's like, yeah, so, so what's up with the West Virginia thing? And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God. Where do I go with this, dude? I was so uncomfortable. Oh well, it, this is what I was trying to tell you all those years ago is that like <laughs> you people from California don't understand that that was so like, true. yo, no, I'm from Virginia, not West Virginia. <laughs> like, it, yeah. So it's a thing. Yeah. You, you can tell it, it is a real thing. It but yeah, fun, yeah. It, it, hilarious. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a hilarious nickname, Slant Boy, because. I mean, it, West Virginia's finest was so bad it clearly even bothered my my father. I'm sure yes. Michael Thomas's you know <laughs> relatives are not too, none too pleased with the slant boy thing. So, but I but reception perception shows he's like when he was good, he was good at the high. Like he was one of the best receivers in, in football. Right. Like he was literally an elite wide receiver. He was up there among those guys because he could do everything. He could win at all levels. He just ran a ton of slants because it was really good for the offense. Like right. that's that's what it was. And so my analysis going into 2020 and, you know, I guess we or 2021, whatever, uh, was that I was excited to see him with James Winston. I remain excited to see him with James Winston. And I think he'll be all things, you know, breaking out pretty well. I think he'll be the X receiver. Uh, Chris Olave will be the flanker. Jarvis Landry will be the slot. And dude, that is so much better than what the Saints rolled out last year. Absolutely. I mean, just the talent level, the the security. I mean, again, Jarvis Landry has he lost step hundred percent. But my God, you throw him that ball, he's catch, he's coming down with that ball. He's catching it. You know, yeah, juice it. has still got some juice, is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So uh you throw 100%. that out there, you, you yep. throw that speed out there with reliable downfield speed. When was the last time this offense has had reliable downfield speed? Bro, Dude, like I don't know. I don't even know. Net Devery Henderson. <laughs> oh my God. I said reliable, my guy. Um, no, but, but you know, you know what we haven't even talked about in this off freaking Alvin Kamara, bruh. 
Like, yo, yeah. this offense could take off. So I don't know. It's it's really interesting, especially given the O line woes there in Tampa Bay. I don't think they're a shoe in um, to 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 win the NFC South. I think New Orleans is going to give them some problems, boy. I'll tell you what, that defense, defense the defense is good too. The defense is good too. So I, I'm I'm very intrigued. Uh, by what New Orleans can bring to the table in the NFC South. And I think those two teams will make it very, very competitive. I think the Panthers are better than last year. Let's hope their defense is healthier. Let's hope J.C. Horn is good uh, for for Matt's hometown Carolina Panthers. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um, All right, so there you go. Hey, man, our time is running short. Um, if you guys, if you guys like the podcast, man, please rate and subscribe. We really appreciate the feedback. And of course, Matt and I are available at all times on Twitter. If you've got any fantasy questions as well, or any follow-up questions to reception perception, by the way, go to the website. I'm just saying, if you want to see some of this data that we're talking about, bruh, go to the website. So there you go. All right. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. Peace.